The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories from many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, the show that gives you insight, inspiration, and intelligence. Welcome. My name is Dr. Howard Rankin. I'm co-host along with my wonderful co-host, Leah Mattinson. And Leah has cause to celebrate today. Her new book, Silver Linings, is out and available to purchase. So everyone, please, after the show, go to Amazon.com, look up uh, Leah Mattinson and her new book, Silver Linings. Congratulations, Leah. Oh, thank you so much, Howard. It's been a it's been a long a long process. So for anybody who is authors out there, you know sometimes these things uh, happen immediately, like in a two week period, and then other times it's more like four or five years or longer. So this is it's a very uh, awesome day, and I'm just so excited to finally be able to. Uh, share this story and the the subtitle of the book is the essential guide to well um, building courage self-respect and wellness which is really what we're going to talk about today in in the show this week we're going to just focus in on like are you smart enough to know you're suffering well what a great question that is can you unravel that a bit for us? I mean, I'm sure you've used that a lot, and I wondered what impact that has on people um, and what that means in, in real terms. Well, I think to me what it means is that there's times in, in life that I've gone through where I think that I'm actually chugging along and doing pretty good, and then all of a sudden something comes up <laughs> that reminds me, usually shocking in a shocking manner, that no, I'm not doing as awesome as what I thought. So I, I, with, with, um, as I've gotten more mature, and some people are mature way earlier in life than others, so I'll just put that out there. It's not an age thing. I think that there's some people who are you know, mature and have that insight earlier about that they are struggling with things and they are more quick or apt to look for help. And then there's others of us who, you know, hang on for longer than necessary sometimes to suffering before we figure out how to uh, get help and to how to be congruent in our lives. And so there's what that does in our life is it causes us a whole bunch of unnecessary stress. And so we've talked, Howard, before about, you know, like, how do we learn these, you know, how do we learn to have good self-control or good insight? 
Yeah. While you were talking there about coherence, I was thinking of the, the term that you that is used a lot in business and corporations, which is aligned. You know, are you yes. aligned in mm-hmm. terms of your beliefs, who you want to be and what you're actually doing at any particular point point in your life? And I, I think that that's very important. Uh, as you know, uh, Leah, sometimes I can be a little um, cynical and can think that, um, you know, we have a, the control of our lives is somewhat illusory. I think we have more, we're a little deceived about how much control there really is in our lives because uh, we can control it some, but there's a whole lot of, lot of variables we have no control of. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we all want to feel in control. Being out of control is a very, very uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of this, are you smart enough to know you're suffering? Part of that question, I think, is is looking at your sense of control, your sense of alignment in your life, actually paying attention to that. That's the first thing, because... Isn't it so easy to go through life on sort of autopilot and and be a human doing rather than a human being and and really not look at what you're doing in the big picture and what does it mean, you know? Right. Yeah. Actually, it's a great analogy. And I used that at the beginning of my invitation for people to join my community, Leah Life. And the story is that I tell corporately because I've been an executive coach for years and years and years now. And I, and I use this analogy often is that we're if we're in an airplane and we're flying from point A to point B, and on a piece of paper, it looks like we've just draw this one line and it's this nice, smooth trajectory. And as a pilot, that looks like it's an easy and achievable thing. But the truth is, when you get in the airplane and you're flying from point A to point B, you're often off course. And it's actually the pilot's job to course correct all the time so that you're in just exactly what you said, alignment. Uh, But that's also why we have, you know, watchtowers and the control room so that they can actually send signals to us when our plane is off course. So if we're a pilot that's put everyone on mute, we're going to have, we could potentially have a really rough rocky, unsuccessful, possibly even a crash landing in our life. <laughs> Whereas yeah. if somebody actually has their, you know, listening uh, to the control towers around them and getting information from those sources around us, the chances of us getting to our destination safely and intact with all of our passengers, I think is much higher. Yeah, so we want our pilots to be smart enough to know when we're suffering, right? Yes. Uh, in, in the sense to be on the lookout for and be on, ready to make those course corrections when there are challenges. Yes, and some of the simple, you know, symptoms were, are, you know, lack of sleep is a symptom or can be a symptom of, of uh, having an inability to have insight um, not watching yourself nutritionally to make sure that you're actually able to stay awake to fly the plane. Um, mm-hmm. race, racing brain uh, is another, I think, thing that people struggle with when they're not in alignment. What are some other things, Howard, that you see? Um, simple awareness. I mean, not paying attention to whether you're aligned in the first place. Okay. Uh, again, I, I see. I see. You know, everyone's got busy lives, and we don't. We go from task to task, and there's the real risk that you get disconnected from the real meaning of what. First of all, the real meaning of what you're doing, and secondly, um, whether it fits into your overall plan. If, if indeed you have an overall plan, um, and 
with that sort of lack of awareness and lack of a attention, that leads to a lack of intention. And then you're sort of at the mercy of a lot of different elements. Uh, and that's where you can get really lost, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the elements, I think, are the behavioral stuff that shows up when you have got completely that lack of insight. And speaking from my own uh, experience in my life, early on in my life, I definitely had what I would call disordered eating because I just ate ate for every like eight to cover up all kinds of things that were going on or just because I was bored or just whatever mm-hmm. the million reasons yeah. are um, mm-hmm. and I see that behavior led to you know having a huge weight gain and then needing to figure out you know at some point uh, and I've told the story before of the moment that I went okay that's enough of that baloney and having the insight to, to lose the weight and to keep it off now for you know 16 years plus uh, I th- and and I think that um, when people are doing any kind of behavior that's out of control, that's a symptom of having a lack of insight and numbing out with any sort of um, any activity uh, leads us down the path that is a path of, of some kind of harm physiologically to ourselves. Yeah, and you know, first of all, I, I know Dr. Katz um, rightly commended you on, on losing that amount of weight and keeping it off over a very long period. And I would absolutely endorse that, and I think it's important to recognize that's an incredible achievement. Um, and of course, you are a um, you know, you can be a very focused person, and I think you need to be focused because that's really what we're talking about, aren't we? We're talking about where you put your focus. Right. I'm just interested for you in how you did that. I mean, if how it's one thing to make up your mind, and people do this all the time. I, I've had enough of this. Okay, I'm okay. That's it. I'm going on a diet. I, I don't want to buy any more new clothes. I've got a wardrobe full of clothes I can't wear. That's it. I'm not going to do it. I'm. Uh, that's it from today. No desserts. No alcohol. I'm not going to have sugar. What have you? You know. Right. And then they they go out into the kitchen, and the only thing they've got is pop tarts. And they say, Oh well, okay, it's not so bad. You know. So that's fruit. You know, that's fruit. <laughs> That's true, it is. It is. You you know, that that disconnect, if you will, between motivation, intention, and action, Mm -hmm. there's the critical, you know, that's where the rubber hits the road. And I was just interested, were you just somebody who never went there? Once you made up your mind, that was it? How did you do that? Was that, you know, reminders, focus, was emotionally so important to you? What enabled you to have that aha moment, but then translate that? Yeah, I think there was a lot of factors and that there has been a lot of factors throughout um, that span of time where you, um, I have met uh, most of the people in my practice that I have coached, whether that's been athletics and, uh, you know, high level um, gymnastics athletes to high level lacrosse athletes and hockey players to executive, you know, people who are CEOs and COOs of, you know, fortune 500 kinds of companies that, uh, that all of, when we have the understanding, when I had the understanding that life is difficult and 
I, I deserve to have a really good life, but I am the only one that is actually going to be able to make that happen on a moment-to-moment basis. So I was able really at a young age to break things down into its really core components. So things as simple, like as a somersault, which sounds like, or forward roll, which sounds like an easy thing. But if you ask somebody to do a forward roll, a lot of times they struggle with that because they, they just can't get all the little pieces together to be able to be successful. And then to become a master at it, you need to do it over and over and over and over and over. And when you see somebody who does like an excellent forward roll and you notice that your forward roll is like maybe not so hot, you just, you just need to keep working at it. So with any sort of discipline, it's, it's remembering that it requires discipline at that, you know, around food, around alcohol, around gambling, around all of these, you know, things that the gym even. And so I went, you know, so far, I went so far the other way that that wasn't healthy either. So coming back and learning to be a middle road walker, the middle of the road being that mm-hmm. having enjoying things when it's the time to enjoy them and having discipline when it's time to have discipline. And so I watched a lot of people that were really successful, that never had weight problems, um, that w- they would have struggles though in other areas, and that there, it's the learning is the same. Is going, you need to learn to like have the you know control whether that's in your environment that you get rid of all of the things that are temptations for you. And for some people, the temptation will always be Doritos. So, Mm -hmm. you you know, to say to yourself at some point, well, you know what, I don't feel tempted by Doritos anymore. I'm going to put them in my cupboard. And then you find yourself, you know, snacking on those things. Just admit that you actually do have a problem with Doritos and just go, you know what, that can't actually be in my range of choices. And so that's the the development of moral intelligence or listening to your conscience. And I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember that uh, Carolyn Mace was talking about this whole like conscience and listening Mm -hmm. to the truth. And so when I got really solid in my behaviors was when I was able to listen to my actual conscience, which requires that you don't numb out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, And, and, and deal with things, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's hard, you know. You obviously were trained to have a conscience. Some people aren't very well. No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, and, and, and forward roll, I thought, was a pastry. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot more fun, right? <laughs> well, 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 it does. But but there are so many components to the change, isn't there? I mean, what, what we've just talked about here is we've talked about awareness. We've talked about discomfort. We've talked about self-discipline, which I believe is important. Uh, a lot of the times you will hear so-called experts um, on diet and behavior change say, oh, it's got nothing to do with self-control and willpower. That's baloney. Of course it has. Yes. The reason they dismiss it is their program doesn't deal with that, so they want to minimize it. But the fact is, of course, it's especially when we're talking about food. Of course, it's got to do with self-discipline. Yes, right? and people You're- and people could feel actually proud about the idea of having self-discipline. Absolutely, and um, you know, uh, early in my career, actually, first part of it, one of the experiments I did for my PhD was on teaching whether you could actually teach people self-control mm. and it, it involved um, uh, an experiment that you actually couldn't do today I think for ethical reasons but uh, <laughs> no seriously what we did we had impatient mm-hmm. alcoholics mm-hmm. and you know we, we had all the you know consent and all the stuff at the time it was appropriate right. and what we did was we actually put up put alcohol in front of an alcoholic mm-hmm. and said 
you can have that if you want, but the goal is for the next 30 minutes not to touch it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, what we found was um, the more exposure to that, the more practice of exercising uh, restraint, the better they were at it. It makes perfect sense. If you go into a situation, a tempting situation, feeling, oh, there's nothing I can do about that. I always drink or I always eat. Then you're lost. You've got no chance. If you go in with a sense of, you know, I have the ability and even a little experience of resisting this, I can do it. Mm -hmm. Then if you're mindful of it, you've got a much better chance. So I do think a lot of it does come down to self-control and self-restraint. And interestingly, the the neuroscience now on that suggests that if you develop self-restraint in one area, then you're generalizing it. It's a bit like you're developing your frontal lobe control Mm -hmm. over your emotions. And you're able to say, hey, no, I can do that. And there's evidence that people can exercise control in one area, can do it better in others. So I think think those are very important things. But again, it's about mindfulness and awareness. Yes, and determination and perseverance. Also, we've got in such a, um, we get so discouraged so quickly when we're making efforts to improve our lives or ourselves or our thinking and that whole throwing in the towel before we've even given something, like really given something an honest go. Uh, and and that part of kind of the accountability of things when we talk about the tools around that, uh, I would journal all the time. I kept food journals. I kept you know, journals of like how much I weighed, of my body measurements, and that kept me honest and accountable. And as soon as I put the food journals and stuff away, I could see, you know, I would definitely have moments where my accountability would slip. And, um, but I I felt my, the growing of of self-control came along with the growing of Uh, self-respect. Very, very, very good point. And, you know, I think accountability is really critical. I think a lot of people really try to do these things on their own, and it's really easy to blow it off when there is no accountability to other people. Um, And one of the reasons why I think a really good support group is one of the best agents of change. Uh, and, and that's perhaps something we can talk about when we get back on the other side of Master Your Life. Um, talk about where do you get accountability? How do you get accountability? The different ways of keeping, if you will, your feet to your fire, feet to the fire or you focused on what it is you're trying to do. So Lee and I will talk about that when we come back on Master Your Life. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. 
There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Larry Sternberg, former president of Talent Plus, explores one of his favorite topics, mentoring. Studying the talents of others allowed him to see that mentoring relationships are some of the most motivating, empowering, and inspiring relationships we can ever experience. Join Larry Sternberg for dynamic conversation with intriguing politicians, business leaders, artists, authors, sports figures, and accommodations across the globe. The series airs on Voice America, the Empowerment Channel, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Mentoring every Thursday morning with Larry Sternberg. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my co-host Leah Mattinson. We are talking about change, behavior change, the difficulties in making change, uh, the struggles we face in our lives, and the options we have to do something about it. And on the first segment here, we were talking about being aware and being accountable. Uh, I think accountability is really critical. I know Leah does. One of the things I found in, in my work, and I can go in more detail as we progress, I do believe one of the values of a really good, and we need to put an asterisk there, a really good support group is that it does offer incredible account- accountability. I wonder whether you'd had much experience with support groups, Leah. Uh, well, I've had uh, definitely uh, experience with support groups in the in the realm of business, and and in particular in with masterminds. So, working in groups or executive groups of people, and getting them to actually have mentorship from outside people, business people who are uh, on the same kind of path as they are. But the group's function is like they have a specific purpose and they last for a specific period of time. And they are to help um, help people to get around roadblocks and solve real world problems that are happening in their life in that specific circumstance. Uh, other support groups that I've been a part of, I was a part of Al-Anon when I was a young young lady um, because my first husband was had, had an alcohol issue for sure. Uh, and I found that to be an absolute um, tremendous support system because these the other people who were there were people who I would have never expected. I went and thought, hmm. holy, it was this whole group of women from the community I was living in that were nurses and lawyers and there was men also but the women is what struck me of course because I'm a woman you know and I just was blown away by holy I don't feel alone yes uh, yeah absolutely Um, I was fortunate enough for a number of years to work um, as the psychologist or consultant to a group called take off pounds sensibly or tops which Mm -hmm. is uh, largely North American, USA, and Canada. Um, And at the time, they had, I'm not sure what their membership now, but at the time, they had like 300,000 members in 10,000 different groups. And um, 
there was a lot of variation in the groups, I have to say that. But the concept, and in, in most of the case in practice, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal, particularly where the groups worked really well as a group. You know, one of the things about group work, particularly non-professional groups, is a lot of the time, even in, in fairly sophisticated organizations, there really isn't much training in how to run a group. Mm-hmm. And so they can become a bit of a free-for-all and, uh, you know, maybe not helpful. But the things about a group that I observed in the time that I worked with Tops, and incidentally, we do hope one of these days to get Bob Cady, the president of Tops, on our show because she's a delightful lady and, and could tell us a lot about this. But the things that I found, one of the things, first thing is I'm not alone. Uh, you know, I wrote a book several years ago called Inspired to Lose, which was 35 stories of TOPS members who, like you, had lost a very significant amount of weight and kept it off. And so they told their stories about who they were personally, but also their interaction with the group. And of course, so for so many of them, just walking into a meeting and being accepted for who they are and having people who understood and experienced the same problem was hugely liberating Mm. because we do go around, don't we, thinking we're the only ones who have this problem. Yeah, I think that's very, I think that's very, very common that people feel alone. And, and it also though, and this is my own experience was the, was the staying out of a group or staying unaccountable made me not want to be part of a group. Uh, mm-hmm. Because then I would have to be accountable. So it's part of that, <laughs> you know, it's the the juxtaposition of those two ideas in your head and going, well, do I really want to step in with that group? Because if I do, oh, no, then I'm going to have to change something. <laughs> or, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but right. if I just stay out here and, you know, yep. do do my own thing, I'm safe out here. Yes, right. or that, that kind of delusion. <laughs> yeah, the sort of partial commitment. And that's true. So, so that was very. That was one factor that was very huge. Um, the the second factor was the accountability. You know, people would be weighed in each week, and everyone had to say, "Hey, I lost or I gained or what have you." Uh, non-judgmental, but hey, you had to lay it out there what you did. Again, I think that was important from accountability. Um, of course, they shared a lot of great advice. Hey, this is what worked for me in this situation. Oh, that's what worked for me. Uh, have you tried this? So again, that was very helpful. And one of the things that I found really powerful, and I think you'll be able to relate to this, was what being in a group enabled to do. If you were struggling, if you were wavering, the group could really pick you up and there's a lovely line and I used it in the book and it's a quotation and and, um, I can't remember who it by but it's a great line it is a friend is somebody who knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you have forgotten the words Mm -hmm. you know and you can go into a group one day and they can see boy you're struggling or what have you and they can pick you up remind you why you're doing this and set you straight and that's what we all need because we waver all the time don't we i think right and i think i love that it's like the line and can set you straight and so this is part of when when i have looked at a group and gone is that a group i want to be part of is are they that kind of group? Are they a group of people that support bad behavior? <laughs> so right, it's right. like, no, what no, is it? What is the what's yeah. the group actually supporting? 
and, you know, making sure that the group that you get into is one that is going to actually love you enough to hold the mirror up for you. And so you might even feel a little bit annoyed with them from time to time and family as a group also, you know, so it might not be a formal group, but if you have a great family and a good, you know, and they're, they're people who like to hold each other accountable Mm-hmm. And then you might have somebody like an aunt or an uncle or a, a grandparent that goes, you know what, you're a little bit offside here. And right. understanding that when they're coming from a place of love, which, you know, your family or a group, hopefully that would be where the heart space that they're coming from, then you can accept what they have to say and understand that what they're trying to get you get you to is self-respect. I think that's right. And it's that whole sense of family. And, and so when I was working with, with tops, you know, I certainly saw some groups that weren't terribly functional, or a small group of people who would sit and chat every week about this and that, but really not do any of the things we're talking about. Right. And that was kind of more like a, a social event, you know. And, I, um, and then there, there were incredible groups. There was a group in Georgia um, run by a wonderful lady called Patsy Castine, and there are probably 100 members in this group. And this just blew my mind. One year, 100 members, every one of those people lost weight. The average weight loss was like 18 pounds, which is unbelievable. And so you know that that group, and Patsy is the leader, you know that group was doing something right. Yes. To have that sort of success is incredible. Yeah, wonderful. Did you have a chance to interview that group of that group of people individually, Howard? No, um, Patsy did write a, a story in Inspired to Lose, mm-hmm. um, and her own story was was inspiring, and, and she clearly, you know, was a very inspirational person, and she infused that group with that, and so people, they just melded and bonded like a family, and the results were unbelievable, and I think when you get into that, when you're into a uh, that has that feeling. There's a tremendous, tremendous power in that. I mean, I think if David Siegel's work on breast cancer mm. survivors and women, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he did that research. For those of you who don't know, um, these were breast cancer survivors, and some were assigned to a group, and others didn't have a group. And, and honestly, uh, the researchers at Stanford were not expecting any difference. And lo and behold, when they looked at the results, they found, oh my gosh, the people in this group are doing so much better, both in terms of survival rate and quality of life so that group can if it's the mix is right and it's run right that group can be incredibly powerful because it provides the things you know in in its broader sense it's love um in its in in all its manifestations caring about people enough to be honest with them to hold them accountable to share with them you know a a, a really good group wow that's incredible very powerful. Yeah. And we were just talking before we started recording the show today about a group that my family is involved with because of um, Huntington's disease. So so sometimes support groups are there to help you to achieve a certain goal or or whatever. And sometimes they're there strictly for support and and uh, help to, it's like, the. so we're talking today about this managing change and the idea of managing and handling change. And really, there are so many things that are outside of our control. And this really 
group of people who are living with a disease that's very destructive uh, within their families. So it, it goes from generation to generation. And this group is fused together um, by the, the young, the children of a woman who died of the disease. And the children are about, I think, 23 and 25 sons. And so they're both at risk for this disease. But there can be anywhere from, you know, 10 people at the group to 15 people at the group meetings that they hold. And it really is at this point where we, when we see people who are getting institutionalized that the group uh, almost has to grieve the things mm-hmm. that are going on together and like actually grieve the loss of independence of the members of, of this family that's not, you know, a family. But, but again, it's, this is, the group is actually about managing change that's deterioration. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah, and I think that's important to point to make uh, that, you know, a group isn't just a rah-rah cheerleader group. You know, it's there for the good times and the not-so-good times, and it's that that authenticity and that sharing and that compassion that drives it, I think. Yes, and, and the, just the ability of the group to help other group members heal or to see hope where there maybe wasn't you know, any hope or to problem solve around roadblocks around the healthcare system. And so why that matters in this conversation, I think, is because so many families are not just dealing with the change themselves. So we talk a lot about, you know, our own locus of control, the things we're trying to fix in our own life, you know, so whether that's, a, you know, addictions or weight loss or, or whatever, healthy lifestyle, but there's this whole other layer of our lives that's helping other people and, um, like, and that could be sandwiched, even if some of us are dealing with aging parents or aging in-laws uh, or ill people who are ill and children that are going through, you know, university or high school or, you know, now we've got grandkids in the mix. So there's all of these levels of things that are moving all the time and our ability to actually have the skills to manage change where it's like a fast sort of a thing. We become more nimble at trusting ourselves to be able to manage things the more that we practice these things yep and uh, and again it's it's really about the sharing it, it's you can't do it alone and you shouldn't do it alone whatever <laughs> that is you know whether that is managing an aging parent whether that is losing weight whether that's making a career change uh yeah you have to be in the driving seat perhaps for your own behavior but you need other people around you absolutely need other people around to help you right so if we're if uh, i've created a life at this point if you're listening to the show and you've created a life where you actually are pretty isolated which often we do when we're in pain or we haven't been able to figure out or navigate around something that's causing us a big challenge in our life. We don't necessarily know who to reach out to. We don't, um, we don't have an insight into that. Uh, how, what are ways, Howard, that we, can, that we can help people who are listening to think about how they might be able to um, identify things that are going on for them that are not uh, uh, they're not coping well, and then how would they actually find or look for appropriate mentors or groups, or who would be good ideas of people to reach out to? 
Well, in terms of reaching out to people, I, there are many levels of that. Um, I think at a community level, if you're certainly dealing with a, an issue that's related to health, um, you know, connect with a local health practitioner that, that you know. That could be a nurse, it could be your physician, it could be, you know, a, a medical practitioner that you trust. Mm-hmm. And ask for what the local resources are, cause, because as those practitioners will know what resources are available locally, either mm-hmm. in terms of individuals or groups. So that's the first thing to do is to ask. Uh, of course, other things you can do, there's so much online now, uh, and you can you know, search for groups for particular situations. I think that you should, again, communication, ask other people, perhaps other people, identify other people who might be having the same problem. Um, and then there are, you know, all sorts of other other resources available, a little bit more remote because they tend to be online. So you don't know uh, necessarily until you get started how effective they might be. Um, but the point about that is, look, seek out support. Seek out support. Uh, you don't have to do it on your own, and you're probably going to be much more successful when you do it whatever it is, um, with that support. And, and, you know, we came in at the top of the show talking about your book, Leah, mm-hmm. and I know that you have something, I'm, I hesitate to call it a support group, but you have Leah's Life. Do you want to talk about that and how that might play in to uh, what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Leah Life actually um, came came to uh, being because I wrote the book, Silver Linings, thinking, oh, well, great, I'm putting this wonderful piece of work out in the world that's really an encouragement, an encouraging book with real world tools in it to help people to do exactly that, to have, like, to learn how to have self-respect through figuring out their stuff. Um, and then I realized, wow, you know, when you're sitting there isolated, you're you're just stuck sometimes. And maybe there isn't anybody in your life. In this world right now, we seem so disconnected uh, from each other. And that technology is a really powerful way of connecting. So I, I was just encouraged by lots of wise advisors and mentors in my life to consider putting together a community where we could come uh, together as people who are like a nurturing journey of how to come together and resolve some of these, you know, big issues in our lives through a community forum online so that if people are not connected to groups or for some reason they can't travel or they're disconnected for the million reasons why people are disconnected, this is a safe place for people to land. Excellent, excellent. And how do people find that? Uh, they just go onto my website, reallifetraining.com, and they will find a link there for Leah Life, and they will be able to sign up to be a part of that community. And I think there's even a couple of freebies for people when they first sign up so that they you know, feel like they're connected right away. Excellent, excellent. So when we come back on the other side of Master Your Life, we'll be talking about some other practical things that people can look for and actually do when they are facing life-changing decisions and, more importantly, life-changing actions. We'll see you on the other side on Master Your Life. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, 
think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one, be it a friend or family member. There are all kinds of questions and emotional pain that we go through, but you can move on. Listen for From Morning to Morning with Rabbi Mel Glazer. It doesn't matter what faith you are, or if you even have no faith, you are sure to find meaning in Rabbi Mel's words and personal experience, as well as that of his guests. From Morning to Morning airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my co-host Leah Manson. And today we're talking about change, uh, the discomfort of change, but the necessity of it. And how do you really do it? Because it's tough, it's uncomfortable. And sometimes, most of the time, it's difficult to do on your own. And we were talking on the other side of the break about different ways in which you can get support. We were talking about groups. Uh, Leah, what do you have in mind here in terms of things that people might do if they are isolated, if they are doing this on their own? Yeah, I, I think what's a wonderful learning that I had somewhere along the way Uh, because I have a really solid relationship with God, and that's not anything to do with religion. It's completely to do with spirituality. And so, you know, God, the creator, um, somebody said jokingly, the great artwork in the sky, (laughs) whatever it is that's your belief. Most people, when I ask them, like, do you believe that there is a God exists? There's like this hesitation because they, and they say, well, I'm not religious. And I say, that's not what I asked. Like, do you believe that there is a God? And and for most people, they are, it's a yes. And so what has been my comfort over the, the years and also a comfort and also an accountability is that when there's nobody else there, there's always God. And mm-hmm. so being able to say uh, in a moment of struggle, if I can't reach out to another human being, there is somebody, some other thing that I can reach out to for support and help and to stay, you know, in alignment. And the, the converse or the difficult part of that is also, though, 
that when you believe that, you also have to hold yourself to the um, that sort of uh, standard of going, okay, yeah, God, God knows what's going on here. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it's not a good excuse to say, well, I had, I was completely out of control, and I had no help. I had no right. help. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, like that line, God isn't somewhere else. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, uh, he's there. And uh, that's always a wonderful way of connecting, connecting something greater than you, too, which is also important um, that would give you hope and keep you really um, focused, if you will. Uh, and, and again, there is that, of course, huge distinction between spirituality and religion, um, the difference of, you know, honoring a God without necessarily going through sacred conventions, uh, and so on and so on. Uh, and I, too, have found that to be incredibly helpful. Okay. Uh, there may not be a human being around, um, and sometimes in our deepest thoughts, there is no human being around apart from us. To recognize there is that higher power and to let it influence you in the most positive way. Yeah, and it's a wonderful thing to be able to, um, to when you feel like you cannot talk to another person about what's going on, for whatever reason, either you don't have anyone in your life that would understand what's going on, um, where you can actually just lay it, your soul bare to God, you can do that. and. Mm-hmm. Then you can just say, you know what, I've been off. I've been, if you've been abusive to yourself, for example, with food, um, just to be able to lay that at the feet of, of God and go, you know what, yeah, I did eat that entire bag of Oreos. You don't have to say to a human being, I only ate three. You can actually <laughs> tell the total truth, right? Because right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right. So it's like that ability to actually, and, and you, the only way, you, my, my understanding anyway, I think, is the only way you can get to self-respect is if you are 100% truthful with yourself about your awesome stuff and your stuff that is not so hot. <laughs> because we've all got it. We've all got yeah. stuff that's not so hot. Absolutely. That's part of human nature, of course. And I think you're right. I think, you know, most people don't want to fess up. I mean, they just don't want to face the responsibility of their actions. They just don't. They will make excuses. You know, that goes back to the beginning of time, you know, when God said to Adam, well, why did you eat from the tree of knowledge? You know, I told you not to do that. And he said, well, well, Eve made me do it. You know, Uh, that's not the answer. The question was, why did you do it? Not who made you do it. I saw who made you do it. I'm sure God saw that, you know. And he asked Eve, well, why did you? Well, a snake made me do it. That's nice. And so we've been doing this since the beginning of time, deflecting the issue and not accepting responsibility, you know. And Adam should have said, you're absolutely right, God. You know, you asked me not to do that and I did it. Yes, and then look what happened. Everyone had to get dressed. I know, it's, it's your fault. Although, you know, clothes manufacturers probably are grateful. But the fact is, the fact, you know, I personally think if Adam had done that, he'd, he might have been a little bit more authentic and would also have been able to say, and, and actually, yeah, I did. Did eat. I did eat. I know you told me not to. You know, it's tough. So if there's a little, if there's some time left, could you tweak my frontal lobes so I could do better next time? Because <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> I know you can. I know you can. That's if right. You don't, if you don't, we people are in for a tough time. Yeah, and there's so uh, many great stories about just how we t- take forever 
to do stuff because we're off track so much of the time. But that's why those stories exist because they're true. There's lots of truth in them. And so I think that like coming back to the, the beginning of the show and just talking about like, are you smart enough to know you're suffering? Right, and I right. just laugh. I laugh. My mom said to me one day, okay, do you know, we just had this realization that it took 40 years for the Israelites to get where they were going. Mm-hmm. Oh, just because they wouldn't listen. It was yeah, like a right. six, it's right. a six day trip. Oh. <laughs> or, or, or the other version of that was, you know why it took them 40 years? Because <laughs> Moses was a guy and he wouldn't stop and ask for directions. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah. Well, and so isn't that just funny? So that's like us in life. That is like us right, in life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. I thought I could do it. I thought I knew it. No, you should have stopped. You should have, you know, you should, should have realized you're off track. Just wouldn't admit it. Didn't want to admit it. Yes. And, and say so we should have turned left at the last mountain. I think we went the wrong way. And so how do we get out of that? How do we get out of our arrogance is really the big question. That is a 64,000, actually more than a $64,000 question because that is so inherent in us. We don't, we don't want to admit that we might have screwed up. And I think that being able to admit that is huge. Because if you can't do that, then you can't begin to address the problem, right? Mm. You're just creating more problems. You're going round in a circle, actually going down in a spiral. And so, to me, that's very, very, very important. I guess it goes back to training, parental training of, of holding your kids accountable. Hey, it's, you know, it's okay you screwed up, you know. It's more important that you recognize it and you own up to it. The and most what are you going to do differently? Extent. And now what are you going to do differently? So what have you learned from that, okay? Mm-hmm. But you got to make it okay for people to say, you know what, Dad, I screwed up. You know, and again, if you're going to yell at them for that, they're never going to do that again to you. Um, right. So so I think, I, I, you know, I just think that's part of training and we live in a culture where it's, well, no, I didn't know. Somebody else made me do it. It really wasn't me. You know, it was, you know, all those other things. Right. Um, almost anything except me. Yeah, do, do you think we come to that to the arrogance? I I, I think to myself that I, the arrogance is a way of protecting ourselves from that being uh, cut from the pack. You know, so if I show that yeah, I have I think, some sort of mess up or weakness or vulnerability or um, that I made a mistake, like a serious mistake, that I'm going to be um, punted. Well, well, I think it's so widespread that you have to think that it's the default setting, really, of the brain, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To, 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 and I think probably for that reason, at some primitive level, you don't want to be cut off from the pack and left at the back to be picked off by predator. You know, you don't want to be shunned, and which is why shame is, is so incredibly powerful. So I think it's tied into that. We don't, we have that fear that, oh, I'm going to be shunned, I'm going to be cut off, I'm going to be isolated, uh, and, I, and that's just too scary, so I'm going to try everything I can not to. The problem is that by doing that, you end up probably more likely to be at the back of the pack, and you you're not going to address the problem. Mm-hmm. And there's a real differential for people between shame and guilt. And yes, people so. get those two things um, mixed up, I think, a lot of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And shame is that very, we've talked about this before, I think. Mm-hmm. I hope we have because it's so important. Shame is that public recognition. Guilt can be internal 
It doesn't have to be public. But mm-hmm. shame is that connection you have with the tribe. Yeah. And that you're now isolated and you're put out over here. Yeah. There's one, There's this wonderful book that I give to so many people, and it's uh, John Bradshaw, Reclaiming Virtue. Yes. And, yes. And, and in that book, it's just, it just, you know, talks about the how you actually resolve shame. And so resolving shame is all about coming to terms with the ages and stages of things that you didn't get right, whether you had interference or poor family, you know, uh, interactions, uh, the million things that happened to people on the trajectory of them growing up. But then people who are smart enough um, that know that they're suffering will pick this book up and go, oh, you know what? Yeah, I would really like to, I would really like to reclaim my virtue because I'm not feeling very virtuous. Right. And, and, and the problem about denial is, you know, it just, you just dig a deeper and deeper hole the more and more you deny it because you have to deceive yourself and other people. Um, and unless you can be realistic, authentic, and truthful, um, it's not going to go anywhere good. And right. that's the trap that people fall into really for almost anything. Yeah, and whole family systems can be involved in that trap. And so, again, it's like having the wisdom or the discernment or the, the insight to be able to go, this group of people is not the group of people that is going to help me out of this problem. Is They're not the group of people that are going to help me through this change. And then going and not staying there, but going, well, so who is that group? Who 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 is it that's going to help me to navigate through this change successfully? And what would success look like to me? Like, could I draw a vision of success? And, and what would that look like? Uh, and then it's like right back to that first stuff that we were talking about, about having a great plan and executing on it. So the vision is what, the reality is what, what are the steps that it takes to get there? And what are the supports that you need in place? Yeah, and, and you make an excellent point about the family communication patterns. Um, the communication pattern that you grow up in and you're trained in is going to be the one you're going to have unless you make a serious effort to change it. And it's hard to do that. It's really hard to do that. I was raised in a family that was like that. Shh, don't say anything. Dad can do this. Dad might do this. You know, mom kept her mouth shut. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. It took me a long time to overcome that and be okay with being authentic. I mean, it took a long time. Um, and the family communication, how you're trained to communicate, will go through you throughout life unless you make a serious effort to change it, and it's not easy. Right, but what's exciting is that it's not impossible. Of course. Um, and so for people to understand that maybe for and the inter- other interesting thing, and maybe this is a limiting belief too, that is that people will say that things are really, really, really hard. And for some people, sometimes things are really hard. And for other people, things that, you know, are easy. And so when you're considering doing anything at all, it's like sometimes things are going to be easier for you than for other people. And sometimes things are going to be more difficult you know, for you than for other people and trying to achieve the same thing. And it's like, there's no rhyme or reason to that. It just is, it is what it is. Uh, But, you know, wanting something different so that you're not suffering, so that you're, you know, living in that, uh, the want of having a better life, of being able to manage change better, of experiencing more success and happiness every day. Like those things are are within everybody's grasp. 
Yeah, but, and at the root of it, though, again, I think, as you would agree, you know, is this ability to be, you know, ruthlessly honest with yourself um, and find other people who will support that and be like that too. Yes, which is exciting. It's exciting to think of that, of finding people who actually will help you to be well. I'll tell you a funny story. I don't know whether I've told you this one, Leah. So so I had this, this, and I was aware of it as a teenager, and then as I went through my career, and perhaps that's why I chose psychology as a, as a career, I was really more aware of my natural tendency was to mm-hmm. smooth the things over, not address mm-hmm. stuff, you know, what have you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one time I had a client come to see me, actually with his boss, and I think he had an addiction problem. And boy, I really laid it out. You know, to this guy, like, you just got to do this, you got to do this. You have And the boss turned to me and said, Boy, you're really harsh. And inside, I was going, Yes, at last. I'm going to be authentic and tell the guy what I thought. Right. <laughs> it was stole, guy, stole. So, uh, yes, at last. I'm finally able to do that. Um, and, you know, I think it is important to be aware of hey, what are your patterns? How do you communicate? How do you talk to yourself? How do you talk to others? Because there, is the root of change, I believe. Yes, and so to find out more about Howard's work on <laughs> I think, therefore I am wrong, <laughs> you can check out his website. And and uh, re- Howard is also doing speaking now. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Howard, as we close the show yeah, today? I've always, yeah, I've always enjoyed doing it. I've done a lot of speaking uh, in my time, and I enjoy it. So um, uh, I am... Uh, available and people interested in doing all sorts of events. I talk about the sorts of things we talked about on the show. I talk about the thought process. I think therefore I'm wrong. I talk about redemption, my own personal journey. Um, and uh, so please check out my website and um, I'd certainly be willing and able to talk to you about what I could do for your gig, uh, wherever it is. And Leo, you do the same too. Yes, absolutely. I Yes, I do speaking engagements as well. And you can find all of that information on my website, reallifetraining.com. Just want to thank you again, Howard, for sharing your insight, inspiration, and intelligence on this episode of Master Your Life. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life.